Welcome to the New Freedom Church podcast. This podcast will help you grow deeper in your faith through weekly 30-minute talks. If you haven't already done so, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you get each new episode as it's released. Now sit back and relax as God speaks to you through this message. Good morning, everybody. I know this is not how you usually see me. Um, Usually I have uh, my ball cap on, I'm leading worship, but I'm wearing a different kind of hat today uh, with Pastor Joe being the Dominican. He gave me the honor to uh, preach. And today you guys are going to learn a new appreciation for Pastor Joe Schutz. So, (laughs) So thank you so much. So with that trailer being said, it said to contend. So... The definition for contend is to assert something as a position in an argument. And that's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to talk about this fight that we're in as Christians. And it's feeling right versus being right. And I'm going to tell you right now, some of you guys are going to think I'm a little bit hard-edged. That's fine, because I am. It's okay. So, how many of you ever made a decision that wasn't right but felt right at the time? I'm sure every single hand could go up at one point, all right? So let me word it another way. Who has ever made a decision to feel right and sacrifice what was truly right just to keep the peace? Sometimes you don't want to lose a friend. You don't want to lose a colleague. Sometimes you just don't want to get in an argument, especially in the prevalence of social media nowadays. Everybody wants to debate you online. We have a lot of keyboard theologians. So, so I'm sure at some point, at every one of our lives. Um, We've run into this. But where does it lead us to? If we were to concern ourselves only with feeling right and keeping the peace based on human emotion and desire, where does that lead us to? And I'm going to tell you exactly where it leads us to. The Word says it in Galatians 5, 16 through 24. So it says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, unholy revelry, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, obviously, we have free will. We can focus on what the flesh wants, what brings peace to the flesh, and what makes the flesh feel, quote-unquote, right. But all of those things lead to destruction. But, Pastor, if it feels right, God wants us to be happy, right? It is right, right? How many have ever heard or even said that if it feels right, it's right, right? God wants us to be happy. And I'm telling you, yeah, God does want us to be happy. But our joy is not found in the things of the flesh. They're only temporary. And they only lead to destruction. But 
Our joy is found in taking delight in the Lord and the things of the Lord. Let me repeat that again. Our true joy is found in taking delight in the Lord and the things of the Lord. In Psalm 37, 4, it tells us the exact thing, plain and simple. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you anything your heart desires. That's amazing. But I know there's questions out there that says, you know, the Bible says not to follow your heart. That is 100% correct. Don't follow your heart. It says plainly in Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Your heart will lead you astray. But what does it mean if, if your heart's going to lead you astray and you can't rely on it? Why would God give you the desires of your heart? I'm going to get to that. Don't follow your heart solely because your feelings and your passions will fluctuate with time. Some folks, every other day, every other month, every other year. Some folks, every other minute. Passions and emotions fluctuate. And it causes you to confuse yourself, to stumble. Instead, we have this great thing called salvation. And we have this great Savior named Jesus Christ that we can follow because he is constant and true. He's not going to cause you to stumble. He's not going to confuse you. But instead, he's going to lead you to an everlasting life. But let's tail back here to uh, the heart. If Jesus is in your heart, he will give you the desires of your heart. Because if Jesus is in your heart, then those desires are what Jesus desires for you. So he will give you those desires of your heart. Now let me tell you something a little bit more in depth about myself, and this is a story that really goes along with this feeling right and following your heart or having, following what God has in your heart. A little bit of my testimony here. There's going to be a picture up here. Okay. I wasn't always this, you know, portly gentleman. As you can see, that gentleman in the cutoff Dixie denim uh, is me. That is my family. That is roughly 1991 in London, Kentucky. So how I grew up uh, was extremely less fortunate and poor. We're pretty much scraping up to reach the bottom. And, you know, you'd go to the general things and, and you know, get made fun of in school because your clothes aren't the newest, the nicest. A lot of them are hand-me-downs or they got holes in them. And uh, there was a lot many other things that I went through that uh, weren't too nice when you grow up in a, in a family that's below poverty level. But I do come from a family of musicians, so I decided to play music because I saw it as a golden ticket out of poverty. A lot of the bands that got me into playing guitar are the ones that I saw on MTV, the ones that were playing to these crowds of tens and thousands, almost millions of people at these festivals. They were flying in jets, they were making all this money. and. Uh, I was like, this is my way out. I'm not going to have to live in poverty if I can make this work. So then, 
my goals became play music, get famous, have fame, money. We'll have a slide here that uh, shows that. Where my goals are, are just that. You wanted to tour the world, wanted to make money, wanted to have fun. I didn't have to worry about wearing secondhand clothes anymore. I didn't worry, have to worry about where my next meal was coming from. I didn't have to worry about power getting turned off, water getting turned off. I was going to be set for life. And that was my heart's desire. That's what I felt was my ticket out. That was my goal in life. As you can see, God had a different plan. For the sake of time, I'll kind of cut, cut a little bit out here. I went through struggles and hard times really dodging what God had for me because I was walking in the flesh. I was thinking in the flesh. I was thinking about what felt right. Fame and fortune felt right. Notoriety felt right. But once I shed those desires, God was waiting there the whole time. He didn't give up on me. He was waiting here for this life that he had for me all along. Am I touring? Am I playing sold-out stadiums? No. But I am blessed to be a worship and youth pastor. I am blessed to be able to use the gifts that God gave me. I have been blessed with a beautiful wife who has very bad eyesight. <laughs> Two beautiful children who follow the Lord, who help me in the ministry. I am blessed with a worship team that I love, like they're in my blood family. And I am blessed with a youth group. And I am blessed with friends who help me with that youth group because we all have the same goal, and that's to see souls reach for Jesus Christ. So what this world says is the top is my, the top of my Mount Everest, God says, no, that doesn't even compare. Your Mount Everest is nothing when it compares to the kingdom of God. And I am living my heart's desire because Christ is in my heart and his desires for my life are my desires to live for him and tell the world about him. Now, if I would have stayed in the flesh, who knows where I'd be, or if I'd be around at all. I was a little bit of a rambunctious teenager, so I don't know if I'd still be around. But I don't live in a world of what-ifs or anything like that. I live in a world where God has said, this is what your path is. So, I know it's a challenge to let go of the flesh and what you feel is 100% right. It is. We're humans. That's how we're wired. That's how we're made. Okay? But if we come back here to this feeling right versus being right, right now we live in a world, and it's always been like this, but, but really the last 20 years has just amplified where the world wants us more than ever to do what feels right, what makes everyone happy, where nobody gets their feelings hurt. But I'm going to tell you something right now. The word tells us not to allow the world to dictate how we live our lives. Amen. I'm telling you this right now. It's easy, but I'm telling you, we have been set apart. Romans 12.2 says this exact thing. Romans 12.2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So imagine this. Imagine if we only did what was right, what was righteous, instead of what felt right. Now, we're not perfect creations, but imagine for a second if we did do everything that was right. Jesus wouldn't have had to come and die for our sins because we were already doing everything that was right. But no, we are flawed creatures. And God knew this. I'm telling you something. If you need a perfect example of unconditional love, look no further than God. Because humanity has screwed up so many times and we continue to. But we're still given the opportunity to come to know him and to live freely. But he knew we would never get it right 100%, which is why he sent his son. But here is that pro-con argument that I have with that. In the same vein, I think as, as humans, over time, we have taken this undeserved grace that we have and we've turned it into an excuse. I'm only human. I mean, that's true. We're only human. But how many times have you used that yourself? How many times have I? I'm preaching to myself here, folks. How many times have you heard people say, I'm only human, to soften the blow on the fact that they're not doing what's right in their life? Well, I'm only human. I'm only human. I can do this or that. It's okay. I'm only human. God understands. Yeah, he may understand, but it doesn't mean he wants you to do that. It's almost like it's a crutch now. It's a habit. I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. But I'm going to tell you something about a habit. It doesn't go away easily. They usually say you have to do something 21, was it 21 times, 21 days, 21 weeks, and it becomes a habit. I can tell you right now, I've said I'm only human multiple times a week since I was a child. <laughs> so that's a habit. But instead, we need to look at it this way. Instead of saying, I'm only human, as an excuse to walk in the flesh, just so we can feel right by doing whatever we want, we need to look at it at this. If you have been blood-bought, saved, and sanctified, your mindset needs to be, not I'm only human, but I am a new creation and I am saved and start walking in the spirit as much as we can. But pastor, you're coming off super judgmental. Guess what? Because I am. Because I'm not just talking to you, I'm talking to me as well. But my question is this, why in the world should we give the enemy any type of foothold in our lives? Why give him any type of power or authority? Once again, if you have been saved, if you have asked Jesus Christ into your life, you are a new creation who is not under the law of sin anymore. You have been saved. You have been made whole. Why give the enemy a foothold in your life whenever Jesus took that foot, yanked it out, and cast it back into hell? Why do that? Do not give the enemy a foothold in your life. You don't have to. I'm only human. 
Okay, that's a foot in the door. I'm only human. Oh, that's the rest of the leg. Oh, I'm only human. Oh, now my arm's in there. Don't do that. Don't do that to yourself. Let's get back on the rails here. If we solely base our decisions off of feeling right and sacrificing truth and holiness, it can make us complacent. Because if we're feeling right, and honestly, who doesn't like to feel right? It's a great feeling. Husbands, who likes to feel right? Okay, I know you're all lying. Every single hand better be up here, okay? We all want to feel right, you know? But in that, we can pull ourselves away from God altogether by forsaking righteousness for a temporary emotional gratification. Why do that? It's momentary. Righteousness stays with you. Living right stays with you. Just feeling right, eh, that is what it is. So as we move on to this feeling right versus being right, another big problem we face as Christians with our fellow brothers and sisters, and heck, there's some people who aren't Christians that will use a Bible verse to do this very thing. Only using a part of a verse to justify your point. Oh, man. I'm about to step on some toes, ain't I? I'm stepping on my own toes, too. So many times, more than I can count, you see people take a part of a verse or maybe maneuver around the word to justify their views and their points. And like I said, I'll be the first one to admit, in my infancy as a Christian, I did this very same thing because guess what? I wanted to feel right. I wanted to feel righteous. I mean, how many times have we heard people say, judge not lest ye be judged? How many times have anybody said it? Judge not lest ye be judged. We all have. But what you're failing is the 75% of the verse that you're not saying. In Matthew 7, 1 through 3, it says this. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the, standard, uh, is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? So, when you decide not to chicken pick around the scripture to fit your cause, you get the whole story. Like in this passage, for instance, it's saying, look, we absolutely can judge but not in a hypocritical way. So if I see somebody smoking, I can't be like, hey man, them things will kill you as I'm taking a puff off of a cigar. That's not how it works, folks. You absolutely are called to judge, but not in a hypocritical way. But in all honesty, folks, people don't want to hear that nowadays because then it makes them accountable it makes them accountable. There have been warnings about twisting God's word. So this isn't a new thing. This has been around for, for generations and generations. In 2 Timothy 4, 3-4, it says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions 
and will turn away from listening to truth and wander off into myths. There was issues with this there. Paul's warning Timothy here that he would encounter this. This ailment that he called itching ears that people had. Those people who have a condition that rejects sound doctrine and look for teaching that suits their own desires to feel right. As I continue, this is very applicable. Today especially. Social media is the battleground where everybody sees the highlights and none of the ugly stories. Where we have Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, whatever. We have keyboard theologians and holiest of holy influencers. Now this is going to ruffle some feathers and I'm well aware of this. Like I said, you're going to really appreciate Pastor Joe next week when he starts preaching again. But I see it over and over. And I cannot stand it. You have someone who doesn't get their way. You have someone who just isn't happy no matter what they do. They leave your church on bad terms. Then they talk about your preaching, how it's not spirit-filled. They talk about your worship, how you're just for show. They talk about your ministries like they're shallow. But yet, they will always go, always go for this single passage out of Exodus. The Lord will fight for you. I'm going to tell you something right now. The Lord will fight for you, but not if you're being an idiot. I'm sorry. If that's a little brash, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. So if you look at this passage, the Lord will fight for you. This is coming out of a larger passage where Moses has the Israelites up against the Red Sea. All right? They have the sea right here, and they have Pharaoh's army behind them. And this is what it says for those who ain't chicken picking. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. That means shut your mouth too. You need only be still and be quiet. Not try to show people that you're a victim or the, the world has just been so bad to you or this, this field is dry. Let me tell you something right now. The grass is greener wherever you water it. But they will only use the Lord will fight for you. And like I said before, this is 100% true. He will fight for you. But in this moment where it says he will fight for you, it's saying to the Israelites to seek salvation in the Lord. Because Moses didn't know what God was going to do. He was stuck between a rock and a hard place. He didn't know what God was going to do. But he knew salvation was in him. He will fight for you doesn't mean, oh man, I really didn't. I really was a jerk to people. But it's that church's fault. I don't know. I don't know about this Jesus thing. It's got to be that church's fault. It's never accountability. It's never, what did I do? Or what, did I didn't, what, did, what didn't I do? You can't say he will fight for you because you want to paint a picture of faultlessness. 
you can't say he will fight for you to perpetuate a victim mentality. Because let me tell you right now, brothers and sisters, there are no victims in the kingdom of God. Now let me say that a little bit louder. There are no victims in the kingdom of God. You cannot be a victim in the kingdom of God. But once again, it goes back to the feeling right. And feeling right is just that, a feeling. It's an emotional tie to a momentary hit of dopamine. But after the high wears off, where does it leave you? You're still in the wrong. After that feeling goes away, you're still in the wrong. But when you stand firm on the foundation of God, when you are right in the word, and you are found righteous in the eyes of God, it may not feel the best, okay? Because I'm telling you right now, the truth is sweet to the spirit, but today it goes over like 60 grit sandpaper to your ears. Nobody wants to hear the truth. But in that, your heart is made stronger. Your soul is made stronger. Your mind is made stronger because it does not serve a temporary high based on human emotion. But it continues to fortify the foundation that God is building not only underneath your feet, but in your spirit. And it's not going to go over, especially nowadays. We live in a society where everyone is afraid to be biblically sound and right. Because they might step on somebody's toes. It's always been like that. People have always had a, a reservation when sharing the gospel at times because you're afraid of the consequences. And it's worse nowadays. It's at an all-time high on how bad it is. But I'm going to tell you something right now, guys. If you read, <laughs> Jesus stepped on toes, people. Look what he did with the Pharisees. He would test them. He would step on their toes. He'd prod them. We all see what happened. They didn't like it. But it's a part of the walk. We can't be ashamed of the word that we've been given to share with people. The suffering that Jesus went through because he stepped on toes was so we could know him so that we could follow him, so that we could tell others about him. It's time to step on toes. We can't be soft anymore. This world has drawn the line in the sand. It's not us that is provoking the world. They said we're drawing our line. Don't cross it. No, don't step on anyone's toes about a child's right to life and to be born. Don't step on toes about being given a chance at life, but go ahead, beat Jesus with the cat of nine tails that had pieces of metal and stone. Rip the flesh from his body where his bones are exposed. But don't step on anyone's toes with the truth. It doesn't feel right. 
No, don't step on anyone's toes about the fact that God created man for woman and woman for man. But go ahead, punch and spit in Jesus' face as he carried the cross up the hill to Golgotha. But by all means, don't step on anyone's toes. It doesn't feel right. Don't step on anyone's toes about someone's sexual liberty and who and how many they're free to sleep with or not sleep with. But go ahead, take that crown of thorns and embed it deeper into the skull of Christ. Mock him. Go ahead and hammer the nails into his hands and feet. But by all means, don't step on anyone's toes. It doesn't feel right. My Jesus, our Jesus, was beaten and tortured until he died, but then resurrected so that we could all know him and turn from the way of the world and become a new creation. Step on toes. Jesus stepped on toes. He didn't do it to inflict pain. He did it to confront major points of weakness and sin in our lives. We've been called to do the same. And it's called the Great Commission. Speaking of social media, again, I see a lot of posts that want to demonize Christians with things like there's no love like Christian hate. I love that one. That's the greatest thing because it has no basis. But it sounds cool. It's a buzzword. A lot of buzzwords. I see one that says, God didn't call us to worry about the drug addict, drug addict down the road. Didn't call us to worry about the uh, two men that are married. Didn't call us to worry about the man or the woman who wants to become a different gender that's behind closed doors. I'm here to tell you right now, that's a load of bull. I will stand on that hill until the day that I die. I'm going to tell you something right now, and, and this is probably coming off hateful. I'm going to tell you right now, there are two things that we cannot do when it comes to things like that. One, we can't hate. First off, we can't hate. But two, we can't affirm. If we're following the Bible, we can't. Okay. And in the Great Commission, it says that we are to worry about those people that that meme or whatever is telling you not to worry about. Because it says in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. If you're following the Great Commission, folks, you're stepping on toes. You're going to be sandpaper to a lot of people's ears. And sadly, this is not what you're hearing in a lot of the most prevalent churches in America. And this ain't knocking anybody, this ain't comparing nothing. 
This ain't saying this ain't bitter because they have 3,000 people on a Sunday morning or whatever. This is just the truth. Mainstream Christian media is watered down because it doesn't feel right. They don't want to rub people the wrong way because not everybody's going to be on board. They're selling a product instead of salvation to people. They're selling a product. But I'm telling you, not everybody was on board with Jesus. We know this. When he walked this earth, and, and nobody was on board with him. He had a group of people. He had a bunch of people who were, but there was a lot of people who were in power that weren't. And people that are hearing this today still aren't on board with it. So if you guys don't take anything else away from what I'm talking about this morning, please take this away, okay? I'm not here to sell you a product. Whether I'm preaching or whether I'm leading worship, I'm not here to sell you anything. I'm not here speaking about something that is for commercial consumption. I'm not speaking to you today about something that's going to make you feel fuzzy inside for a moment and then leave you dead in the water. I'm talking about the foundation that is the word of the living God. There's an old song that says, On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. That last line, all other ground is sinking sand. Period. It doesn't say on Christ the solid rock I stand. I can stand closely to the side and that'll be okay too. We have to stand firm on the foundation of Christ. Or else we're going to sink. We can't just rely on feeling right. We have to be right. And when I'm saying you have to be perfect, that's not what I'm saying. But you need to know your word. You need to know where you stand. The world knows where they stand. Exactly opposite of everything that you are. If you are a follower of Christ. It's okay for the world to stand firm on that and godlessness and sin and everything else, but it's not okay for us to stand firm on the Word of God. The world is not telling you, okay, you can just be you. They're saying we can't be us as Christians. They're not asking for you just to accept everybody. They're asking for silent compliance. You guys, we're in a battle like no other. The world is not asking for your acceptance. They're asking you to shut up. Don't talk about Jesus. Don't live your life like that. Don't tell me that I'm going to hell if I'm doing wrong. They're asking us to deny Christ. I'm not going to be that person. I'm not going to stand for that. And that's why I'm preaching this word that I'm preaching today. Because I've seen what the world does. I've seen what the world can have, the effect the world can have on people. And it's not pretty. Why follow the world that is so corrupt with sin? Whenever the word says the wages of sin is death. Why do that? So as we close and as, as the team makes their way up. I know that my message can probably come off hard-nosed, come off judgmental. I'm just trying to preach the truth, guys. I'm not doing anything differently than Pastor Joe. He preaches the Bible truth. And I'm so thankful our church 
as a pastor that preaches the Bible truth unashamed. But if you're here today, or you're watching online, and maybe you've been standing in sinking sand because you've compromised just to keep the peace, remember that nobody compromised when it came to the torture and the execution of our Lord and Savior. Nobody compromised whenever they were ripping the skin from his bones. Nobody compromised when they were spitting in his face and mocking him. Don't compromise. Don't compromise your salvation because Jesus didn't compromise for yours. Maybe you've been second-guessing what we've been commanded to do. Maybe you have some head-scratching moments as a follower of Christ. Maybe, honestly, you're just scared of being canceled, mocked, ridiculed. I'm telling you this right now. The firm foundation that we stand on, the firm foundation that has been given to us, is like no other. The world cannot shake it. The gates of hell cannot prevail over it. But if you're looking to stop compromising, today's the best day to do it. Don't wait any longer. Don't wait. So if you're watching this and as we're in here, this morning. If that's you, these altars are always open. If you don't want to come to altar, that's fine. I'll pray with you afterwards if you're too shy or anything. Let's pray together. Lord, you are our one true God. Lord, you did not compromise when your son went to the cross to free us from the bondage of sin. Lord, this world is so corrupt. The enemy is running rampant. They're not even saying the quiet part's quiet anymore. They're saying the quiet part's loud because they think evil has won. Lord, you have made us more than conquerors. In your word, you have said that. Lord, let us not forget that. Let us be more than conquerors. Let us stand firm on your truth. Lord, let us not taper back or twist the words around just to keep the peace, just to make sure people don't get angry. Lord, we have been given this charge to tell the world about who you are and what you can do for them. Lord, if we do not tell this world who you are, the world will tell them who you are not. Just be with us to, just today, Lord. Just guide us and lead us in everything that we do, from the words that we say to the things that we do, the thoughts that we think. Lord, all of this, even though it may sound hard, it may sound harsh, it's out of love. Not the love that this world has corrupted, but your love. 
your fatherly love, where you love us unconditionally and pick us up when we fall with that same fatherly love that corrects us when we fall hard and we make mistakes and we go off the beaten path, that same love. Lord, we just praise you and we thank you. We just glorify your name in all that we do. In your name we pray. Amen.